praise God. Um, actually, before we get into that, three sermonettes this morning, four actually. And so uh, <laughs> during worship, I, I was just thinking about the love of the Father and who Father is to us. And uh, I want to tell you a quick story. Um, I've, I t- talked about a man named, his name is Jack Frost. That's his real name. But he was, uh, passed away actually probably about eight years ago. And, um, he had a revelation of the father's love he had. And when he would minister it, there was, uh, a lot of times a, an encounter, a baptism of love is like what I call it would happen. And so when we were at Convergence, he came to our church. Convergence is the church that we're planted out of in Fort Worth, Texas. And I was on the altar ministry team and he preaches about how much the father loves you about not striving and, and, uh, and God loving you really and accepting you as you are. And, uh, people are, I've never been in any meetings where more people have been on the floor prostrate, wailing, because God's love displacing fear, displacing pain. And, uh, and so that, the way you minister to people and with that type of uh, ministry is you, it's called hug ministry. It's real complicated. You just hold people and they start crumbling in, in, in Father God's arms. And you're, he's just using your arms like his arms. And you, we would even pray that. We'd just be like, Father, just make my arms your arms. And the, the shoulder shake starts to come in. And then, literally, the wailing. It's not just crying. It's wailing. So ministry time was wrapping up. And uh, this was 2004. I sat down. People were starting to get up off the floor, stumble through the cars or wherever. I sat down beside Jessica, and I, I started getting the shoulder shake and she's like are you okay I was like no I'm not and there's a and then this Dennis Jernigan song played and it's called uh, Daddy's Song and it's basically a lullaby for grown ups and uh, it started playing I just started wailing and one of the elders came over there he started comforting me he put me my head on his shoulder snot and tears just completely drenched his shirt and that was about 10 minutes long and I'm just wailing in the father's love just because it felt I felt it come over my head and down over my toes like honey it was like thick syrup coming down over my body and uh, and that song sounded like there was a amp in my ear it was weird it didn't sound like I was hearing it normally so the, the elder of our church, his name is Gary Galloway. He left, and he was, pro- he was like the kindest man in our church, probably. And then Jack came and held me like a little boy, and it started all over. Another way, I sound like people. Now, the picture is ministry time is wrapping up. You know, at the end when we're talking and all this kind of stuff, just imagine just, ah! it sounded like an ambulance going by the church. I mean, that's how I cried. It wasn't sniffling and, I mean, it was wails. And Jack came and he put his, my head on his shoulder, snotting tears. 
And he said, you don't have to be a big boy with a little father anymore. Now you can just be a little boy with a great big father. Wailing again. And uh, went home that night. And the Holy Spirit audibly sang uh, the father's song to me that I heard in the ministry time. It was like, again, it was, I told Jessica, I was like, do you hear that? Do you hear that? I said, I don't hear it, but just receive it, honey. And, you know, and, uh, and so, um, so I, I had this amazing encounter, like a baptism of love. Because in Matthew 28, it says that you're baptized in the name of the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And so um, we come to know Jesus, we come to know the Holy Spirit, but we also need to come to know the Father. And uh, the next day, Jessica and I got in a huge fight. And I was like, wait, I thought I was just baptized in love. Why, am, why are we fighting? This isn't supposed to happen. I was supposed to, like, now I'm supposed to be made perfect. Because I, mean, I had such, it was the most dramatic encounter with God I've ever had. And one thing I want to say is that we, you, you, you got to have the encounter and you got to have the process, but encounter doesn't replace process. And Jack Frost came the following year, 2005. And uh, he had a special meeting for the men only. He asked all the men to come up to the front and said, we're all standing up at the front, the altar or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he's going down the line, praying for, me, praying for people, praying for people. And I was just like, yeah, round two. He's about to place his mantle on me. I'm about to take this ministry to the intergalactic, the nations, and then to Mars and Pluto. I'm about to be anointed and appointed, and glory's going to come, and he's going to prophesy. He's just be like, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. Take over my ministry. Walk, travel the nations with me. And uh, he came. And he laid his hands on me, and I'm just like, yeah, come on. Just prophesy your little heart out, Jack. <laughs> and he said, Father, he, talk, he talks like this, Father, remove the pride and air of superiority off of this man. <laughs> then moved on. And I was like, Jesus, are you for real? Like, is, and for three days, literally, I walked around, like, I'd just be walking around. I was like, Jesus, is what he said was true? Is that true? I got to know. Please show me. Because if it was true, it broke, it was breaking my heart. And like, I said, and Jesus finally showed me. After three days, he said, Travis, you became, this is his words, you became the sonship police. And, and he showed me in my heart what I'd been doing since that encounter. I would just be at church and, you know, I, I wasn't doing anything, but I was just like, he, he's an orphan, he's kind of orphany. Uh, that guy's a son. Getting there. Uh, son, orphan, whatever. And because I'd had this encounter and it just, it wasn't something I was consciously or purposely trying to do. It was just that, that baptism of love 
put me in a place to receive even more correction from the Father. And so I say this to, to tell you that I got the greatest love encounter and the greatest rebuke of my life to date from the same man who's a father in the faith. So if you can only be in that place where I'm loved and God loves me no matter what, which is true, but he can't correct you. And authority, spiritual authorities, mentors in your life can't correct you, then you really don't know the love of the Father. And, and you, in the sense of the reason the Lord disciplines you in Hebrews 12, it says, because he considers you a son. And if he doesn't discipline you, then you're, the literal translation is you're a bastard. You're an illegitimate child. And so the discipline of the Lord, the greatest love encounter and the greatest rebuke came from the same source. And that's, if God, if you find that happening in your life, say, thank you, Jesus, you love me. Because that's the way the Lord works. It says he disciplines those whom he loves and he scourges those he considers sons. And it's not, it says it's sorrowful at the beginning. But in the end, it produces the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Peaceful. Its, its goal is to bring you to peace, to stop the striving, to stop the comparison, to stop the competing, to stop the fairness. It's not by merit in the kingdom. It's not, we, we've been in churches where there was, uh, somebody had been leading worship on a part-time basis for a long time. It was a volunteer basis. And another person came in who was a worship leader at another church, and they were just attending the church, and they were swapping out every Sunday. And the elders had to make a decision on who the, uh, who's going to lead worship, who they're going to hire as the worship leader. And they chose the person that had been there the shortest. And the other people left because they were offended because they're like, we've been doing this for five years, and he's only been here one year. God's not fair. It's about, and it's not that he doesn't love those people any less. He's got something, he's got a different way he wants to bless them. But if you can't, if you can't deal with the correction or even the disappointment, then uh, you're aborting your, and your place as a son and a daughter. So you have to be able to receive correction. And the love of God enables you to stay put and not run. And in the end, you'll see God do so much through the correction. And, and uh, it's, it's important that you're able to do that. And ask, I ask God for a humble heart all the time because I don't have that in and of myself. It's a gift from the Lord. But that's what keeps you teachable. Um, February, we're fasting. And... Uh, we're fasting from February 1st, and we're breaking it Sunday morning, February 28th. We're going to do some kind of a celebration thing here, breaking the fast. But the reason, excuse me, breaking the fast is, not breaking the fast, having the fast is uh, we feel led of the Lord by it. And its purpose is to um, 
I was, or I was asking the Lord, let me back up. I was asking the Lord, I was like, Lord, what do you want us to pray about? What do you want us to fast about? And I just felt like the Lord said just to be full of the Holy Spirit. And this morning I saw that many times I saw this picture of there is a waterfall just pouring out. And that's like the spirit of the Lord. And we're standing to the side like, pour it out, God, pour out your spirit. And the Lord said, repentance brings you into alignment with me. And so when repentance is not just like um, being remorseful of your sin, it's changing the way you're thinking, changing the way like getting uh, thinking the way Jesus thinks. And so when we repent and it's turning away from whatever we were doing that was wrong or unfruitful and repenting into a different way. So saying yes to this means saying no to that. When you say yes to God, it usually means to say no to something else. And so repentance just puts you in alignment with what God's already doing. He's pouring out his spirit right now. And so we just want to come in a more alignment with that pouring out because it's happening in the earth. It's not, God's not withholding on his end. He already poured it out on the cross. He, he laid it all out there. And Pentecost came. And so it's a matter of getting into alignment, getting our hearts in that position to receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it comes through repentance. I, I want a repentant heart because it's, it's where you experience the mercy of God. It's not God beating up on you. It's the mercy seat. And so that's where I, w- I want to live in that place. And Jesus said, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? Because the Pharisees were asking, it's like, why aren't your uh, disciples fasting? Because if you're really righteous, you do that. And this was Jesus' answer. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast. But no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth in an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins burst and the wine pours out. And the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and they are both preserved. So he's, this wineskin wine talk is in the context of fasting. So fasting does nothing for God, but it does everything for you. It's not convincing God to do anything. What it's doing is it's creating a new wineskin in you to be able to contain more of God. To be able to contain the new thing he wants to do in you. And so it's in, in fasting, all it is, you don't have to feel like fasting. You don't have to feel humble. But it just, it's an intentional humbling of yourself. It's just like you forgive people when you don't feel like forgiving. It's a choice of your will. It's called cold-blooded obedience. And so there's this time where the Lord tells you to fast and you may not be real pumped up for it. But you were just like, yeah, Lord, I, I want more of you. And so this is an intentional way of expressing that desire. I want you to make more room in me. I want you to put a new wineskin in me because I want a new wine. I want to be refreshed. Peter said, you know, that repentance brings times of refreshing. It's not the, it's not the, you know, there may be crying and there may be sorrow over our sins. The end result of that is refreshing and renewal and being strengthened in the Lord. And so this is the purpose. And I, you can fast any way you want to. 
Uh, you know, there's lots of different ways to fast. You can do a full fast, which is uh, just drinking liquids with no food. You can do partial fast. You can skip a meal a day. Um, you know, some of the uh, these monks' names are slipping my mind. It starts with a B, but they would uh, either do one or two meals a day. But that was a lifestyle. Sometimes they just did one meal a day. And then, or you can fast media, you can fast whatever. And so um, you can even look at it as like a Lent period. You're giving up something. But it's, uh, there's a lots of different ways to do it, but we're going to be doing that in February, and we'll, we'll keep you up to date on that. Send the emails and out, but I just wanted to get that on your radar. And then this morning I wanted to talk about pray reading the Bible. And uh, this is, we're going to zip through this. Because this is very practical. And you can start doing this. We are going to do this today. So, learning from the Pharisees, John chapter 5 says, And the Father who sent me, he has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him who he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. So Jesus corrected the Pharisees for thinking that they would experience God's life or presence by simply knowing the Bible. I've been to seminary. I have seen men who know the Bible and do not have very much fruit of the Spirit. I've seen men in seminary who know the Bible and have a lot of fruit of the Spirit. So what's the difference? Well, it's like they're, they're connecting in a relationship with the Lord. Okay? Verse 37 reveals two keys to knowing the Lord. One, as Jesus said, if you hear my voice... And you see his, or you see his voice, excuse me, hear his voice and see his form. These are two keys to knowing the Lord. And so the difference between people who know the Bible and there's not fruit, but in people who know the Bible and there is fruit, is that when, you, when you're bearing fruit, when you're, there's life coming out of you, you hear his voice and you see his form. What did Jesus say? He's like, he says, you know, you need to have ears to hear and eyes to see. That's how you connect with the Lord. And so each and every one of you, it's just like Jessica said earlier this morning. She said, it's, we, we give prophetic words here. We love prophetic words. We love the prophetic. It's even better to hear from your father yourself. And because that's the right he's given you as a child of God. So you two keys to knowing God you hear his voice and see his form. So like visions, pictures, dreams. And, and sometimes people are like, I I see more stuff than I hear more. Some of you like dream almost every night, raise your hand if you dream all the time. Okay. You know, some of those dreams are from the Lord. How many of you get visions or pictures like a still picture? Yeah. And then some of you hear, and some of you can, like you hear by feeling. Some of you are feelers. Like you feel the heart of the Lord. You're like, oh man, I just feel like so much compassion for that person or whatever. That's, that's of the Lord as well. 
So to, to paraphrase Jesus, he was saying to the Pharisees, you know the Bible, but you're unwilling to engage with me in an ongoing conversation that you may experience God's presence. I had a quiet time with the Lord back when I was in seminary and living in Fort Worth. Great. In my mind, it's just like, yeah, this was, I was just so happy because I had a two-hour quiet time. And at that time, more time meant better God day. And uh, that's called striving, by the way. And so um, I was just like, oh, man, this, I got two hours. Um, my conscience is clean. I heard from the Lord. I got the journal. I read three chapters. Man, everything's going right today. And uh, put up my journal and Bible, and it was just like, yeah, good quiet time, man. Uh, the Lord spoke to me. He says, Travis, I just want you to know your quiet time's not over. And what, and what he meant by that was just like, don't put me on the coffee table. Don't put me on the coffee table. Like, I'm still with you just as much as two hours ago. I'm still here. Talk to me. Acknowledge me. And so from that point on, I tried to, I tried to acknowledge the Lord as much as I can. It's, it's a learning thing that you have to keep persistent with. But I was like, Lord, you want to go play some basketball? Lord, you, uh, I want to go uh, fix something out in the yard. I want to go cut some grass. You just, just things like that that I never would have thought of to talk to the Lord about. And so you engage with him. It's an ongoing conversation. We must not study the word only, but we need to engage with the one who wrote, who wrote the word, the Holy Spirit. So as you're reading the Bible, the Holy Spirit, what in the world are you talking about right here? I need some help. When we pray, read the Bible, it activates the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak wisdom and revelation to us. Because when your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you're praying it out loud, Proverbs is a super easy place to start. Because you read through it and you're just like, Father, I call wisdom my, my sister and understanding my intimate friend. I seek wisdom more than gold or riches. Father, you cause wisdom you guard me with wisdom. You know, you just, it's easy. It gives it. And so, but we're going to talk about some other ways to engage with the Bible, but that's, that's what I mean by pray reading it, but it activates the voice of the Holy Spirit. So when you start praying that out, you start getting revelation about those verses you're praying. You start getting insight into, into those things. Knowing the Bible does nothing without relationship. The devil and some atheists know what the Bible says. So it's about relationship. It's about conversing with the Holy Spirit. And would you rather read a letter about your father or experience your father's presence? This is about reading. This is meant to, this is a, a, a letter about your father and his son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And it's meant to not only tell you about them, but for you to encounter them. I would never, he's like, hey, if somebody handed me a letter about my father and they said all these great things, it would be good. But if somebody was like, would you, you want to meet your father for the first time? Yeah, I want to meet my father. 
So enjoying prayer. Scripture gives us conversation material for our relationship with God. How many of y'all start praying for five minutes and you're like, I'm out of things to pray? Where do I go from here? Now, that's part of the reason I like tongues. That, that's a gift. That's, I love that gift. Because I'm like, Lord, I don't really know what to pray. But you do. So let's get in the spirit. Talking to God as we read the word makes prayer much easier and enjoyable. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. As we pray, read the Bible, we hear the word of God coming out of our mouth, and it builds faith as we offer up supplications and declarations. So Jesus said to the Pharisees, Jesus said the Pharisees did not have the word abiding in them. They knew the word, but they did not have the word abiding in them because they did not believe the word. They did not believe him. Okay, there's a difference. You need to believe the word, not just read it. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So what does that mean? God's word living in us will cause new godly desires to be formed in us. These new desires will make us sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, if you abide in me, you're going to have my desires. You're going to be praying according to my will. You're going to be in how many, the, the, the Bible is so full of promises that have already said yes. There's already a yes to that. Je, Jessica was talking about Jesus. I get Jesus and Jessica mixed up sometimes. But <laughs> Jessica was talking about orphans and, and, uh, you know, there's things that God's already, you don't even have to ask him about. He's already said yes to it. God, do you want me to take care of the poor? He's already said, yeah. What about widows and orphans, father? Yes. Then you ask him, well, what does that look like? That's the next question. The scriptures living in our heart will impact our thoughts and emotions and bring them more into alignment with God's thoughts and emotions. God has emotions. He has thoughts about you. He has feelings about you. He wants you to experience those. So benefits of pray reading the Bible. We take words with us when we pray as Hosea exhorted us to do. So in Hosea chapter 14, it says, take words with you and return to the Lord. I think that's interesting. Isn't it? Take words with you and return to the Lord. Take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. There's sacrifices of your lips that need to come out. I'm, a, I, I'm not a big talker. And so I, I tend to, when I pray, pray out loud to the Lord, it's got to, I normally internally process and all this kind of stuff. So even in my relationship with God, I choose to speak it out. Because it takes a little bit of effort to open your lips, honestly. It's easier just to like talk to God in your mind and all that. But what that, why is it important coming off of your lips? Because you hear it. And hearing does what? Build your faith. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So as we articulate our love, gratitude, and, and request to Father God in simple phrases, Holy Spirit touches our lives. The sacrifice of our lips are words of love, trust, thanksgiving, and obedience. Second one is we, when you pray, read the word, you and the spirit flow together. 
resulting in you being taught in the way that is tailor-made for your life. God wants to, he's got a unique journey for you. He doesn't want you, there's the teachers and the, the fathers in the faith. We need to devote ourselves to the apostles teaching. Like, so I, I listen to Bill Johnson's stuff because he's an apostle and I'm like, I want to uh, devote myself to the apostles teaching. Randy Clark, Heidi Baker. I listen, David Hogan, apostles. So I listen to their stuff. But at the same time, I can't just, it's got to be, whatever they say has to be real to me. I've got to have my own journey with it. And so God's, he's, and he set it up that way. So when you, when you pray, read the Bible, you're taught in a way that's tailor made for you. So when you talk to God while reading the word, you say new things to God. It is the Holy Spirit speaking through you, giving you new insights One's coming from your mouth. And so how many of y'all get in ruts? You kind of just pray this, you know, typically the same things. And so this, when you're reading, so if you're reading in Genesis or you're reading in Leviticus, you're going to probably be praying different things than you normally pray. When you're reading the narratives and that type of thing, you're going to have to, you're going to engage and it's going to bring up new, new ways of seeing God, new ways that, of agreeing with him. First John chapter two, verse 27 says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need that any, that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And is just as, just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. So it's just saying you've, you're anointed to hear from the Lord. You're, you're anointed for him to teach you uniquely. Third is it gets you out of your prayer rut. Praying what you're reading helps you expand your mind about what God is or who God is and what he wants to do. So Genesis chapter one, verse, verses one through three, like I was talking about, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. So how would you, how could you pray read over this? You know, I'm going to give you an example. This is how I started pray. I pray read over it. I said, father, I thank you. that You've always been in the beginning. You, you created the heavens and the earth. You're able to make all things new and create new realities in my life. Holy spirit, hover over anything dark, formless and void in my life and shine your light in. Give me grace to abide in your shadow so that you can constantly be creating new life in me. So you, that's how you personalize that creation story. That's just one example. And then in 2 Kings chapter 4, it's a, the story of the widow's oil never ending and of Naaman's story. So real quickly, there was a widow. She, there was a famine in the land. She had a jar. And uh, Elisha told her to fill that one jar up with oil and start filling up other jars. And she filled up, I don't know how many jars, but enough to get to prosper her, that she could sell the oil and use the oil and keep her family alive. And then Naaman was a, uh, he was a general in the Aramean army. The Arameans were enemies of Israel. But his servant said, there's a, man, there's a prophet in, in Israel who can, who can help you. 
And he's, he was, he's a little reluctant, but he was, Naaman was a leper as well. He was a mighty warrior, but he was a leper. And so the servant was like, if you can humble yourself and go see Elisha, I think he can help you. So Naaman goes to Elisha, and Elisha says, go dip yourself in the River Jordan seven times. And Naaman's like, blah. That's, I would never do such a thing. Because you, you, don't, you wouldn't do that on enemy territory, you went, that's, it was just, name was just a little too prideful. And he also wanted like a blazer light show. The servant said, if he had, if the prophet had waved his hand over you and you had gotten healed, like you would have been fine with that, but, but you won't get healed by dipping in the river. And so Naaman eventually humbles himself, dips in the river seven times and his leprosy leaves him because he obeyed the counsel of the Lord. And so this is, this is the prayer I wrote out. I'm just going to read this to you, but this is a prayer about that narrative. And so just to kind of show you, it's not just Proverbs and Psalms and that kind of thing or the Gospels, but you, you can use anything in the Bible. It says, Father, may our oil not run out. Let us overflow with your spirit and be virgin of heart. And so as I was praying about oil, what happened was the Holy Spirit brought to my mind about the 10 virgins that kept their lamp filled with oil that, in, the, in Luke. So let us be ready when Jesus comes back. Fill our lamps with fresh oil that we may shine brightly and displace and destroy darkness. May any poisonous thing be used against us be turned into a food. This, I forgot to mention this. The, the Israelite army was camping out in the woods, and one of the guys grabbed some bad herbs and put it in the stew. He didn't know they were bad. And they're like, there's poison. They, drank, they ate it, and they're like, oh, there's poison in the pot. And Elisha said, no, it's not going to harm you. And they, it didn't harm them. And so this is, where, this is why I'm praying this. So may any poisonous thing used against us be turned into our food. Every curse that tries to come against me turns into a blessing. Every mistake turns into a launching pad for victory. Father, you are multiplying bread. Your word is growing in me. I'm coming more into a place where I live by your word and my food is to do the will of him who sent me. My bread that you give me is freeing others. You're doing more with what I have than I could ever do. I'm having a greater impact than I can see. Multiply your word in the city and my family and in the awakening. I thank you that I'm a warrior despite my leprosy, despite my weakness. Give me the heart and grace to obey you in the little things. I'm faithful in the small things. So I would, sometimes I ask the Lord, sometimes I declare it. I'm faithful in the small things. Holy Spirit, help me be faithful. Let not the foot of pride come against me and give me a willing and steadfast spirit. Give us the word of the Lord for our enemies and generals in the world. I declare that Naaman seek us out for healing and counsel, and we are ready with the word of the Lord. I thank you for words of knowledge and words of wisdom increasing. I thank you for the miracle power that accompanies these words. And amen means I believe. I believe. So, what we're going to do is we're going to break up into groups of two or three, and you're going to pray read. 